0: Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland and I am joined today by Joe McCormick, my co-host of Forward Thinking, one of of my two co-hosts for Forward Thinking, and uh, writer extraordinaire and uh, all around hoopy Fruit. Joe, welcome back to the show.
0: I don't know what that word you said means, but okay. You
1: need to read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Ford Prefect is one who uh, Fruit who knows I where his towel is.
0: Yeah, tingling yeah. in the back of my brain. So, uh, well, thank you for having me on today, Jonathan, especially to talk about this really exciting topic, y- yeah. the complete and utter breakdown of society. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. So first, Joe, before I get into the, the listener request that prompted this entire episode, I should let you know that uh, the previous episodes that went up and were just recorded were with Ben Bolan about the Manhattan project so it dovetails nicely into this one um, so the this discussion actually comes to us because a listener uh Benjamin G McCall on uh Twitter wrote to us and said after watching Mad Max i'm wondering what tech would be viable in a post apocalyptic world what which tech would be jerry rigged uh so really this is such a huge topic uh we could end up having Discussions about all sorts of different doomsday scenarios.
0: Yeah, I know one of the options we talked about for this episode was just coming up with a list of like the maybe, uh, I don't know, weird tech hacks you could make. Yeah. Uh, in a post-apocalyptic scenario. But then we realized like, uh, you know, we're not the inventors of the wasteland.
1: Right. Yeah, there, there are so many different science fiction stories out there that cover this sort of material that to... To kind of, I mean, we could have, I guess, gone through each one and graded it on a plausibility scale, but that would have taken forever, too. Sure. But we figured maybe a better
0: approach would be to say, okay, let's imagine there's a scenario that has represented a technological apocalypse. Yeah. Suddenly, all of the technology that sustains our lives that usually just runs in the background and keeps us happy without us even noticing what it does for us. What if all that went away?
1: Yeah. So... We're not so much focusing on specific scenarios. We will, some of them will come into play because they factor into, uh, the contingencies we might, we might use in the case of a catastrophic failure of technology. Mm -hmm. Uh, like there could be some where you say, Hey, what if we used blah, blah, blah? So, well, if the reason for the catastrophe was this, blah, blah, blah would not work. We'll get into that. But, but just some general catastrophes that, that could be the ones that lead into this. Um, Nuclear war would be a big one.
0: Yeah. Right. So that people always want to say zombie attack,
1: zombie attack. Okay. so some sort of (laughs) pandemic would be a possibility, right?
0: The more realistic version of the zombie attack. Uh,
1: And pandemics could end up being something that is directly affecting people or could be indirectly affecting by killing off, let's say, crops or livestock. Mm -hmm. Anything like that that could lead to famine obviously could also capitulate into uh, technological failures.
0: Uh, Sherlock is imagined in the movie Interstellar, where they mm-hmm. talk about the idea that there's a, like crop blight getting sure. into all of their food supply. Yeah, so
1: in that case, uh, you could end up having a vast reduction of the population on Earth, which in turn would cause technological issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of other ones too, uh, super volcanic eruption right could potentially at least for
0: leading to catastrophic climate change really yep. anything that leads to catastrophic climate change yes. would be a problem so really
1: just waiting around right well, sadly <laughs> i wish that weren't the case but uh so there're a lot of different scenarios that could lead to this and and uh, we've got a whole bunch of different variations of that in literature and at the end of this episode joe and i are going to talk about our favorite post apocalyptic stories and scenarios uh the reason why i'm putting it at the end is so that we have something wonderful to look forward to on our journey through terror
0: oh but honestly my favorite ones are kind of
1: depressing so so are mine uh it's fine uh, well, but uh, i mean it's kind of hard to have an upbeat post apocalyptic scenario i
0: promise you folks you're at least going to hear us talk about zardoz yes uh zardoz but okay what's the first thing that we need to talk about the the big tuna in the basket yeah. as i might say yes. from I think I said that recently. I'm
1: pretty sure that was a forward thinking, but I'm not entirely certain. But Let's I remember get that tuna big tuna
0: out of the basket. Yeah. It's power. Yeah, it's, the power grid. Yeah, the power grid, where our energy comes from, because almost everything that sustains our life depends on
1: it. Yeah, and on some form or another, if not directly, then indirectly. Correct. Yeah. So, uh yeah, the power grid is the big one. Let's say that. Whatever the catastrophe is, has hit the power grid. And we're largely going to be focusing on the United States because that's where Joe and I live. Mm-hmm. But uh, power grids across the world have varying degrees of vulnerability. Many of them are very old. There are elements of the United States power grid that date back to the late 19th century. Yeah. In fact, our... Current
0: power grid is not necessarily. Oh man, I hate it when that happens. Our <laughs> contemporary <laughs> power grid, yes, is not necessarily in the best of shape. No, this could come as a rude awakening to some people.
1: Yeah. So here's here's the deal. First of all, the power grid is incredibly complex. We mm-hmm. talk about it as if it's this big united thing, but really, it's a collection of lots of smaller things. Okay. So. so-
0: in most basic terms, how does it
1: work? All right, most basic terms, if you want to look at uh, kind of uh, the the microcosm, the the individual element that makes up the power grid, you're looking at a power plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that is generating electricity through some means. There are a lot of different versions of this. There are coal-fired power plants that use coal to generate heat, turns water into steam. Steam turns a turbine. That's what generates the electricity.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you could have a hydroelectric plant.
1: Hydroelectric. That's using the power of water moving turbines in a similar fashion. Uh, there are wind turbines mm-hmm. that use wind to do that. Solar generation, where you're 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 really just uh, converting solar power into electricity. That's mm-hmm. one of the few that doesn't require steam. Yeah. Or, or, turbine. or turbines.
0: Uh, yeah. You've got, of course, nuclear power,
1: which is really like coal fired on steroids, except it's using obviously nuclear fuel, not burning coal. Yeah. And uh, no smoke. No smoke. That's nice. Yeah. There's lots of steam. Uh, yeah. If you're, if you are, have designed it properly, it's perfectly safe. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the operation is the nuclear fuel and the waste generated is something else that is a, an issue, but we're not going to go into that because it's just it's it's a side issue to what we're talking about today.
0: Though, if you are interested in that, we did a couple of episodes of forward thinking about that. Yes. Uh, sometime last year.
1: Yeah, those were a lot of fun. Uh, so definitely recommend those. Fun
0: might be a word to describe how we uh, well, it was fun. discussed nuclear waste. Was
1: fun in the sense of really trying to wrap your brain around something that is truly complicated, not just mm-hmm. the technology, but the political and cultural side of it. Yeah. Uh, then you also have things like um not uh, there's there's natural gas uh and there's also oil power you know power plants power plants that re- rely on oil although that's a very small percentage of the ones that are used here in the United States so you've got these power plants they generate the electricity a the, the electricity is sent through a transformer which steps up the voltage right the reason for this is that the higher voltages will transmit over a greater distance with less loss of energy.
0: Right. So this is going to be alternating current yes. going out through all of the wires of the grid. Yep. Out yeah. to the neighborhoods.
1: Direct current will not work in a transformer. You have to use alternating current. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you, it steps up the power. You have, you have different types of lines. There's a distribution power line that is pretty heavy duty, that's what carries the super high voltage, that gets stepped down by a different type of transformer for the power lines that you typically see in the neighborhood. So like the the telephone poles that have the power lines uh, uh, dangling from them, particularly on a hot Georgia day, uh, those, are, those have been stepped down from the major transmission lines. There's another transformer that will step that power down again before it goes into a building or a home or whatever to be at the proper voltage. For us here, uh, so that's your basic setup, right? That's and the power grid is made up of lots of these. By the way, these uh, power plants are run by different organizations, different entities. Mm-hmm. So it's not all. A unified thing here in the United States. Yeah. It's and, not
0: just like the government or something. Right. A lot of privately yeah. owned power generation company.
1: It's not like the monopoly board where you just, you land on the utility and you own it and that's all of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the way it works.
0: So. That's the real monopoly. You should be able to win monopoly as soon as you buy electric
1: companies. Right. Like, like, like exactly. Like, hey, do you want power in your hotel? <laughs> Guess what, buddy? I am it. Uh, so as it turns out, that's, you know, that's not the case. There are all these different entities across the power grid that, and that generate power and they're doing it with different types of hardware and software, which makes it even more complicated. And we'll talk about that a little bit when we get into cybersecurity. So, um, because of this complexity, there are lots of potential points of failure, mm-hmm. uh, and the complexity both Cushions the, the power grid from failure and also is vulnerable to, to further failure. It all depends upon the actual conditions that exist at any given time.
0: Right. I guess in the best case scenarios, all of the interconnectedness of it would mean in some cases you have some degree of redundancy. Yeah.
1: It's kind of like if you think about the internet, how yeah. if a, a single computer goes down, traffic can route around it. Mm-hmm. S- the power grid's kind of like that, but uh, depending upon where you are, you may, you know, if a power plant goes offline for whatever reasons, if it is quote unquote tripped, which <laughs> means that it, it turns off essentially for uh, any amount of time, you may be without power until it's returned to service. Uh, so other areas might be able to receive power through rerouting or whatever, but uh, the goal of course is to create a smart grid that can respond to those issues in real time, but The reality is we do not have a truly smart grid throughout the United States. It's not a unified system like that.
0: Here's an interesting fact uh, I'm seeing in the notes that I wasn't aware of before. So we've got three interconnected grids in the United States. That
1: is correct. I
0: didn't know about this.
1: Yeah, the eastern interconnection, which you would think at first, oh, that's got to be the east coast, right? Well, yes. It's the East Coast all the way out to the Rocky Mountains. Uh, yeah, that's the Eastern interconnection. It's a large part of the nation. And then you've got the Western interconnection, which is the Rocky Mountains to, to the Pacific. And then you've got the Texas interconnected system, which covers Texas. Big shock there. So uh, I don't mean that in that electricity sense either. So oh. I didn't mean to. But yes, you've got these three larger interconnected grids that collectively make the power grid of the United States. There are two related concepts when it comes to power grids that we want to talk about. There's reliability and there's resiliency. So reliability is how consistent is that power grid? How frequently are there uh, any interruptions in power? Right. The fewer, the more reliable, obviously.
0: So if you're having frequent brownouts. That's not reliable. No, it's
1: not reliable. It would be rough, too. Uh, And obviously, we have had periods of that in the history of the United States in in different regions. Then there's resiliency, which refers to the power grid's ability to withstand adverse effects like solar flare activity or severe weather or, you know, an apocalyptic scenario, like if an EMP went off. By the way, if an EMP goes off, electromagnetic pulse, that's what that stands for. uh, There's not I don't think there's a power grid on the world that is resilient enough to withstand a truly powerful electromagnetic pulse. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the interesting thing with those is that, you know, you hear about these, like especially in movies, you'll see uh, uh like uh, Ocean's Eleven uses an EMP at one point to knock out the security system of Casino because if you're going to do it, right, <laughs> might as well go whole hog.
0: Um, Yet then they get back outside somehow.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, at any, well, you know, hey, it's a movie. Um, but at any rate, the, the EMPs, depending upon how powerful they are, they, and how close you are to the pulse, uh, that can affect all sorts of levels of electronics. Although, generally speaking, the larger the system, the more vulnerable it is, because the more, more likely it will have current running through it. As a result of this electromagnetic pulse, it's the same principle that's affecting the transformers. It's just imagine that it's this enormous pulse that isn't a controlled element of the power grid. So uh most EMPs would probably affect large systems like the power grid, but leave smaller stuff like the, the less complicated and smaller it is, the less likely it's going to be directly affected by the EMP. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so... Your battery-operated stuff might work for a while, at least until the batteries run out, even in the face of an EMP, unless you happen to be really close to where the pulse goes off. All right, so resiliency and reliability, two very important concepts. I read a report, <laughs> and boy, was this... Sort uh, of a report
0: card, actually. It was a
1: report card, yeah. The American Society of Civil Engineers released a report card that graded the United States on various elements of its infrastructure, and this came out in 2013. The whole thing is available online. It's a very interactive site that will depress you if you live in the United States because overall the US got a D plus. Uh, and that was for everything. Uh, that included things like not just electricity and energy, uh, but drinking water, bridges, dams, hazardous waste handling, and aviation were also in there. Um, none of the grades were great.
0: So what's our like gym class grade that's waiting it up?
1: Oh, right. Um, yeah, some of them are a little better than others. Actually, D plus being the, the average, the mm-hmm. GPA, that's also what we got for energy. So, it's still a failing grade, <laughs> but it's one of the higher ones. I mean, like, it's not a D. Like, our, I think, I think Bridges got a D. So, like. So
0: what you're telling me is I really need to charge my cell phone before the zombies attack.
1: And you really need to make sure you're. Your, your commute home doesn't go over bridges. Yeah. Um, yeah. They also, by the way, graded individual states. Not every state got a grade, but, uh, Georgia did. Mm-hmm. We got a C.
0: Oh, so that's better than average.
1: Yeah. We, we, <laughs> it's better than av- the average score for the United States. By the way, in case you are <laughs> unfamiliar with this grading score, the scale of grading, uh, so the school's not use that anymore? Well, it's not, not, not universally. And we okay, have listeners okay. from all over the world. Right. So this would be a grade system that typically goes A, B, and C would be the, the passing grades. C being average, B being good, and A being superior. Then you have D, which is technically a failing grade. And you've got plus and minus as well. So on the high side, D plus would be, Oh, you almost passed, but you didn't. Uh, I don't know of anyone who has ever used E, but F means fail.
0: I, I thought a D was just a shameful passing grade.
1: I always thought of C as, well, maybe, but I always thought C was passing. Like C minus was the, for me, the threshold of passing. Uh, essentially, that was uh, the equivalent, if you look, looked at it at percentiles, a 70.
0: Folks, write in and let us know what you think about Ds. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a failing grade, but I could be wrong. Uh F is outright fail. D right. is like on the cusp. Um So maybe I guess if you're a glass half full kind of guy, you might say that D is a, a passing grade. D plus for energy. Energy, by the way, was not just the power grid. It was all uh, the elements of energy in the United States, but mm-hmm. they, they did focus quite a bit on the power grid. They reported the aging infrastructure of the power grid as a huge problem, some of it, again, dating all the way back to the late 1800s. <laughs> so it's pretty old. Um, and they also said that these, these older facilities in particular are uh, – they're prone for failure for things like just the fact that it's such an aging infrastructure. Uh, they're not very good at handling uh, adverse conditions like weather events or solar flares, that sort of stuff. And they said that uh the significant power outages in general are on the rise. They said there were 76 recorded significant power outages. They didn't define what significant means in the, the stuff I was reading, so I'm not sure exactly what that refers to. But mm-hmm. 76 of them in 2007 and 307 of them in 2011. So it's a problem that is getting worse. So that's – that's an issue, uh, but they also had some less awful news in it, <laughs> so they said that the United States is having a very slow growth in population in general the 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 rate of increase is is fairly low when it comes to the need for electricity, so in other words, our population isn't growing so quickly that our need for electricity is is outpacing our ability to generate electricity. Mm-hmm and in fact there probably won't be a significant issue until around 2040 and that's that's saying that we don't we haven't invested in our ability to generate electricity they of course very strongly advocate that we should be investing in that uh, both in the the power generation or the electricity generation and the transmission of electricity all right well
0: let's look at one particular type of threat to our energy infrastructure okay How about a cyber attack?
1: Yeah, we've talked about this on Tech Stuff quite a few times. Uh,
0: I mean, could foreign hackers just shut down the United States with some some smart, malicious uh, computer people?
1: Probably not the United States, but certainly elements within the United States, very targeted ones – Yes, uh, because this is not a surprise. We have discovered, we being people in the United States, not myself in particular, um, that there are elements of code, malicious code, within several different facilities throughout the United States within our, our power grid infrastructure. Um, a lot, A lot of them originating from China, some from Russia, but there are elements of code that clearly have been planted there, possibly as a way to weed out vulnerabilities and, uh, you know, in the effort to exploit them in some potential future. So it's not necessarily the case that these are all going to shut off on the same day. In fact, that's probably not going to happen. And it's largely because of what I talked about earlier, the fact that the power grid is actually made up of all this diverse, you know, hardware and software run by different organizations it means that there's not a a unified means of shutting everything down. So any attacks would probably be very specific and people know to look out for this stuff now. So there's, there's, there might be individual utilities that are lagging behind because they're not paying enough attention to this problem, but it's not a universal issue. So in other words, it's kind of patchwork, right? You, you may be that the target you've selected is really vulnerable, but it also means that the effects are going to be localized to that area. You can't, you can't say like, oh, here's the big red switch and when we push it, the lights go out. It's not going to be like that. Also, I don't know why well, I went German. Why are they German? Well, they're actually Austrian, but. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, but it's just cause that's where I go for the, my mad scientist, uh,
0: it is the character. best mad scientist accent. It's no really offense good, to our you know, German or Austrian listeners.
1: No, or, or to our Russian ones who, th- who really agree that the Russian mad scientist is the best one. I mean, there's, <laughs> they all have their charms is what I'm getting at.
0: Well, you know, one possibility that strikes me is you're saying that a cyber attack could potentially target a localized facility or, yeah. or Small subsection of infrastructure. Yep. Though there's always the possibility that by doing so, they could trigger chains of larger events.
1: Yes. And this is where you have to start taking into consideration the specific conditions around that localized area. So is this a
0: scenario people have actually imagined, like a sort of a cascading series of problems that get bigger and bigger with infrastructure failure? It
1: absolutely is, yeah. Uh, There have been studies that have looked at specific uh, systems that have centralized critical nodes, which would be very much similar to the United States power grid. Uh, and if you were to target one of those important critical nodes and take it down, there's the potential to have this cascading domino effect where it would, the, the, the loss of that part of the power grid would put such a burden on the surrounding ones that they too could fail, which could potentially cause others to fail as well. It might not be a nationwide outage, but it might be much more significant than that one utility going down, uh, for that to happen, generally speaking, you have to have other elements that are uh, at play. Mm-hmm. It's it's generally understood or, or believed that if it's an average day, that probably it would just be the localized uh, utility that was affected. But if other issues, like if it was at a peak demand when other neighboring utilities were Working overtime to supply power because mm-hmm. just because of the way that particular day is unfolding, then you might have a different situation on your hands. I
0: have to imagine somebody has tried to simulate this.
1: There have been a lot of uh, interesting simulations that I looked into, most of which were saying, hey, it's not as bad as we think unless. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always that unless love and that, you're like, unless. you're like, uh, I guess I guess uh, if if things are aligned just right or just really, really wrong, then it could be really bad. In fact, in uh, August 2013, there was an article in Nature Physics where scientists from the United States and Israel asserted that a cascading failure in a system, it depends on those few critical elements, but they pretty much guarantee that at some point it will happen. And this, by the way, doesn't necessarily mean that there was an attack. I mean, an an attack could be the precipitating event that causes Mm -hmm. this, but it could just be a failure, it could be a, you know, a particular power plant in a grid fails and it and conditions just happen to be right for other uh, facilities to fail as a result of that. And then you have a rolling blackout that could be pretty huge. Um, or it could be a failure due to some other event like a solar flare, which – causes a similar event to an EMP going off. It's not good.
0: Well, maybe we should get back into the possibility of an EMP. uh, Okay, yeah. Or a solar flare. You know, any one of these high energy events that can sort of fry the components of our electricity infrastructure.
1: Yeah, this is super bad news. Like this is stuff where it's not just that it shuts down the power. It does damage to the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, one of the other issues about this complexity we were talking about is you don't always necessarily know where the problem is ultimately, or which elements of your infrastructure are the ones that were damaged by this activity. So if it's a significant solar flare, that shuts down power in an area, you may have to do some really extensive testing to figure out which elements need to be repaired or replaced. In the meantime, you've got people who are without power. Not only are they without power, a lot of them are going to be without any means of receiving communication to hear what the status is. Yeah. And the longer that goes, the worse things are going to get, right? Like like people, some people will react all right? You know, they might hunker down or whatever. Some people might panic. Uh, you also have other elements at play that are going to continue whether you've been able to communicate or not. Things like hospitals having to treat patients. I mean, there are some major issues that, uh, have to be addressed. And meanwhile, you're scrambling to try and, and fix a broken system and you don't necessarily know where the problem is. That's the real danger with these, these, uh, events that would overload a power grid by putting a huge amount of electricity through uh, a system that wasn't prepared to handle it. Um And there's not a whole lot you can do to prevent that. I mean, like the these are events that are outside of our control. The best you can do is is uh, make your system as robust as possible mm-hmm. so that it can resist uh, electromagnetic interference. But.
0: What does that actually involve? I don't know.
1: I mean, really, mostly it involves separating uh, elements out into microgrids. That's one one of the things we could do is instead of having these giant interconnected power grids, uh, concentrate and create an infrastructure that has more microgrids that are uh, only serving a small region. They can be interconnected with other systems still, but they're not dependent upon them. They're not as interconnected as the current systems are. That way, if a local event knocks out a few systems, they are not going to pull down surrounding neighboring systems in this cascading effect. Mm. It, It isolates the problem, which means that you can devote more attention to solving a localized issue than you would if it were a general nationwide problem. A nationwide blackout would be catastrophic. Like, you want to talk about post-apocalyptic. Sure, you you might argue that it's not an apocalypse, but a a nationwide blackout would cause enormous problems.
0: Well, yeah, we can, I guess, talk more about the projected consequences of that in a bit. But how about the zombie attack scenario? People always want to know about this. I I have to kind of remind people sometimes that, like, that's not going to happen because zombies are sort of, physically impossible. Yeah. But you could have something like a zombie sort of problem. You could just basically have a pandemic, right. a really, really bad uh, infection that spreads throughout the population. So in this
1: case, we're looking at a scenario where it's not necessarily physical damage to the infrastructure, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a, a dramatic reduction in human population uh, where you just don't have the people to run the systems anymore, mm-hmm. right? So, so let's say that You've got um, uh, really terrible conditions where the people who would be running the power plants and the the various utilities mostly have been wiped out. So there are very few of them left um, along with. Giant swaths of the population in general. So how long would you have electricity? You are one of the lucky survivors of the zombie apocalypse. Oh, Uh, boy. Yeah. Rick Grimes has not made it over to your house yet, so you're still on your own. How long could you (laughs) expect to to continue to have electricity? Well, this largely depends upon what style of power plant is providing electricity to your home and whether or not your home is on the grid. Now, I'm assuming your home is on the grid. Right. If you have managed to create an off-the-grid power scenario, you are in way better shape as far as how long your electricity is going to last. Right. Uh, But at least for the short term. But let's say that you are connected to the grid. Well, if you are getting your electricity from a coal-fired power plant, which by the way, makes up the vast majority of power plants in the United States. More than 60 percent, I believe, are coal-fired mm-hmm. power plants. Uh, you would probably have electricity for uh, – the event has happened. People have been wiped out. For maybe 12 to 18 hours after that event, you would have electricity. Uh, that's That's about how long the coal-firing power plants would probably operate at their best – uh, before tripping, before shutting down automatically. Uh, that's not great. No. And that's because there's no, there are no humans there to keep the operation moving. Cause even with automation, there are things that require human attention. An mm-hmm. alarm will go off and you'll look. And it may not be that it's like a catastrophic failure. It could be something like you need to vent some ash out of the system. And if you don't do it, then a uh, it'll trip. It'll say, all right, well, this will get to unsafe levels. Right. So we're shutting down. Um, and it's one it of those says, I need an adult. Yeah. And all it would take is to vent it. It's not a it's not otherwise a huge deal. It's not like it's leading to a catastrophic failure. But it's one of those sy- systems that's put in place for safety that if it's not monitored and, and acted upon. The plant will shut off. We need to get some robots in those plants. <laughs> yeah. And well, there's actually been some people who have suggested that if this were an event where it was more gradual, like it's not a sudden thing where mm-hmm. humanity disappears. Uh, if it were more gradual, then you might be able to alter the system so that some alerts don't trigger an automatic shutdown anymore because you prioritize what what is the most important of the alerts, and which ones can we absolutely not ignore and we have to respond to. Anything else, the power plant just keeps on going until it can't go anymore.
0: Okay, so is natural gas going to be pretty much along the same lines as coal?
1: Kind of. um So coal, here's the other issue with coal. You only have a certain amount of coal stored. Right. Ready to go. And once that's gone, if you don't have people pushing bulldozers to push more coal into right. the system, you're out of fuel. So even if... Somehow, magically, the coal power plant works perfectly. You burn out of coal within a day. Natural gas is a little better. Uh, you will essentially continue to get natural gas to feed into the power plant as long as the pressure inside the pipelines remains constant. But that's a big if. I mean, any any p- problem that would trigger one of those uh, systems to go into shutdown mode would stop a natural gas power plant from operating. So you might go a couple of days maybe if if everything went well like if there were no if nothing was messing with the lines and no errors happened so 1 to 3 days let's say you know what joe it turns out we got a lot to say we recorded this full episode and it turned out to be a super long one. So we're going to end this part right here. We'll pick up again in our next episode to continue this conversation because <laughs> um, we like talking about it. it it's it's a real – you know, nothing more
0: fun than the end of the world. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know. Relax, right? Uh, that's the I, end is I, not necessarily the end. No, no, and it it's hard not. to stop. Yes, it's
0: true. When it's the end.
1: Yeah, I um, I'm going to start quoting Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in a second. But no, uh, guys, if you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, whether it's a technology you want to hear more about, or a personality, or maybe there's a guest you would like me to have on the show, maybe there's a guest host you want to have come back to the show. Write me, let me know, I'll make it happen. The address is techstuff at HowStuffWorks.com or drop me a line on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. The handle there is techstuffhsw. We will return in our next episode to conclude this topic, and I'll talk to you guys again really soon.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.